Well, this morning's message, uh, warfare, I was trying to keep with Keith's warfare is, and I'm thinking warfare is, warfare is, warfare is. Warfare is TNT. Uh, No, it's not a TV station. Um, Warfare is training and trust. (laughs) It's training and trust is what it is. Or it's trust and training. Because the more we trust, the more we'll be trained. And the more we're trained, the more we'll trust. And so it's kind of this circular thing that works together. And it's, it's explosive. Uh, it, I, I looked up the word TNT, and it's a 15-letter word that I can't even begin to pronounce. Um, uh, and so those of you who are into explosives, I hope you're not here. Um, but, but this is what Oswald Chamber said about it. He says, prayer is not a preparation for work. It is work. Prayer is not a preparation for the battle. It is the battle. Prayer is twofold. Definite asking and definite waiting to receive. And, and I wrote here, and worship, which is communication with God set to song, is just as much the battle. I'm just not quite sure you can have worship without warfare. Have you thought about that? I, I think it's impossible to, to worship God in song, particularly, or in, in any way, and it not be warfare. I mean, we, because what are we doing when we worship, if we're truly worshiping, if we're connected to our worship, I'm standing, and what am I doing? What are we doing, church? Together, as a congregation, individually and corporately, we are submitting ourselves to God. Isn't that what we're doing? We're turning our attention and our affection to God. And you know what James says there? James says, submit to God, worship God, resist the devil, and he will, what will he do? He'll flee from you. That's what, that's what the scripture says. Now, if the scripture is true, imagine that if it's true. That actually happens. It's not this. It's not this. Lord, I'm submitting myself to you. I'm resisting the devil. I'm submitting to you. I'm resisting the devil. I'm submitting to you. I'm resisting the devil. I'm about to break into choreography. I'm submitting to you. I'm resisting the devil. That, that's, it's not that I submit to God and as I submit to my father, so I submit to him, guess what I'm doing? resisting the devil and guess what he's doing well, i got nothing for him right now submission to god is everything submission to god is the war it is the battle church so we didn't get our eyes all fixed on where is the demon behind every corner submit to god and you will resist the devil and he will flee from you he will flee from us and there's warfare going on from the moment we got out of bed this morning. Sometimes our warfare takes place while we're sleeping even. Some of the crazy dreams we have, <laughs> really. Or not even being able to get to sleep. It's warfare. And I'm telling you, it's continuing right now in our thoughts. As our thoughts are even now streaming. You set to worship. All of a sudden, things that are of no importance become of paramount importance. How does that happen? You know... You looked at the length of my notes this morning and you went, oh my God, is this guy going to ever finish? Um, You know, just any numbers of things are just bombing our thoughts for attention. Church, that's warfare. Submit those thoughts to God. Resist and he will flee. So I want us to do this right now before we 
go any further this morning. I want us to take, and you know it, you came in here this morning, you woke up this morning, you worshiped this morning, you're sitting here right now this morning, and there are thoughts about tomorrow. There are thoughts about this afternoon. There are thoughts about people. There are thoughts about finances. There are thoughts about circumstances. There are thoughts about health. There are thoughts about, you name it, you could, we could pile them all up right here that are besetting us and resisting us and trying to keep us from fully engaging in all that God has for us this morning. I hope you didn't come to church this morning to check your Sunday morning church box. What a waste that would be. We're meeting with the God who created all things, who created us and made us in his image to now and forever worship him. No greater calling, no higher calling, no greater privilege. And so I want us to do this. Paul told the Corinthians, he said, and this is at the end of my notes, and I'm just going to put them at the beginning of the notes, so maybe we'll have less to talk about. But this is what, this is what he says. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we walk in these bodies, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare. Now, do you understand, church, life is warfare. We just said, life is warfare. If you're in Christ, there's a battle. It's going to be a battle. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're divinely powerful for the destruction of, of fortresses. And we are destroying. Now, okay, hear me. We are destroying. We, we are destroying. It's not we might be destroying. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance. You wonder about that? Arrogance. That's all pride. That's all self-confidence. That's all not, really don't need God here. That's all arrogance that raises itself up against what we know is true of God. What we know is true of God. We're going to find out in just a moment how, what Jehoshaphat knew was true of God. And we are in the line, if you will, of Jehoshaphat. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? Well, it's just going to be simply, let me tell you what that means. What that means is this. Here comes the thought. Oh, what you got ahead of you tomorrow. Oh, I got to get the car fixed. Oh, I got to take that thought captive and give it over to Christ. What was Christ's obedience? I don't do anything unless I see my dad doing it. I submit everything to my father. And so, Lord, I take that thought right now, whatever it is, and I give it to you. Can we do that right now, church? Can we pray and do that right now? And just watch the clarity come over us as we see the Spirit of God, as we are filled with the Spirit of God this morning, to hear God beyond any words I'm saying that we're hearing God. So let's pray together. Now, I want us to do this. This is kind of strange. I don't want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for the person on your left and your right. Because you don't need to pray for yourself because the person on your left and your right will be praying for you. We're, we're a corporate community here. It's not just about me. If you're a soldier in a war, who do you need more than anything else? Right? We need the power of Christ in one another as soldiers in his celestial army 
to hold up one another's hands and to be caring for one another. So let's pray for one another. Lord, uh, in this world, there are many tribulations. Jesus, you promised that. And Lord, we come with lots of thoughts and things and circumstances this morning. Lord, I pray for my brother and my sister on my left. And I pray for my brother and my sister on my right. I need them. I'm grateful for them. Whether I even know who they are or not, they are my family. And God, how we pray in the name of Jesus for the power of your Holy Spirit to bring them to trust you to give that thing to you, that besetting thing, that debilitating thing, that frightening thing to you, God. Fill them with your spirit. Cause them and give them clarity and sober-mindedness in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Already, God is doing something here this morning. So grateful. So, turning our sights to circa about 850 B.C., we're going to see how a king is trained up in the way in which he should go. King Jehoshaphat's father was a guy by the name of Asa. Uh, Asa faced an Ethiopian army that numbered over a million people. They're coming down on Judah. And Judah's got a few hundred thousand in the military. Benjamin, who was with Judah in the southern kingdom. Remember, Israel is divided at that time between the northern and southern kingdom. It's two to one. It's two to one. There's not much hope here. At least naturally, there's not much hope. But Jehoshaphat got to see a dad who sought God first. He had a dad, fathers, he had a dad who looked to God before he looked to anything else. His training was to trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And here's his prayer. Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there's none like you to help. Lord, you're the only one between the mighty, that would be the Ethiopians, the million-man army, and the weak, Lord, that would be the few hundred thousand of us. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, in the power of your name, in the authority of your name, we have come against this multitude, this enemy. O Lord, you are God. Let not man prevail against you, not us, God, you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Jehoshaphat had that picture. But Jehoshaphat also had a son who had a father-in-law. And somehow, Jehoshaphat gives his son, we're not going to the details of that right now, to one of the daughters of Ahab, of the northern kingdom, godless kingdom. Ahab's not interested in what God wants. Ahab's interested in what he wants. 
And he wants to go to battle against Ramoth Gilead and Ahab and Jehoshaphat come together. I can understand that. They're kind of fathers-in-law. And Jehoshaphat allows Ahab to talk him into going into battle. It's not going to be a big deal. But Jehoshaphat, knowing the Lord, says, well, could we call on some prophets? And, and, and so Ahab piles together 400 prophets and says, oh, yeah, go to war. You got him. Jehoshaphat said, is there anybody else? And so a, a prophet from Judah comes and says, oh yeah, sure, just go ahead and do it. Ahab knows he's lying. And so Ahab says, what is wrong with you? The guy's name was Micaiah. And he says, your people will be scattered and you will be killed. And so for that prophecy, Micaiah gets thrown in jail. And they go to war anyway. And you know what happened? The people are scattered. Amazing. And Ahab gets it. He gets killed. And Jehoshaphat gets out by the skin of his teeth. And now, time has, time has gone by. The kingdom of Judah is fortified. Jehoshaphat gets a, gets a little bit of an admonition, a strong admonition from Jehu, one of the prophets of, of, uh, of Judah. Rather, Haman, I believe it was. And so this man was trained as he hears the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir coming down upon them. But here's the thing. Jehoshaphat, regardless of the natural inclination to fear, knew where to bring his fear and to whom to give his fear. And humbly before his people leave his fear. But here's the question. Who was Jehoshaphat fearing? Now, I think it would be natural to say, well, you got these Ammon, Moab, and the Meonites, the Edomites, the people of Mount Seir coming down upon him. Well, you'd be fearing them. But I would argue this with you. I would argue that in that fear, and maybe predominantly in that fear, is not the fear of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. It's the fear of God. Because Jehoshaphat knew the right thing to do, and he also knew the wrong thing to do. Don't you know that bad training can give you good lessons? Have you experienced that in your own life? Bad training? Now, I know what I'm not going to do again, and I'm scared to death I may do it again. That he feared the Lord. That his fear, more than his fear of Ammon or Moab or, or the Meonites, his fear was... Go, God, don't let me blow this again. Kind of sounds like the Apostle Paul does it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Work out, Paul tells the church, your salvation in what? Fear and trembling. Not fear and trembling that you're going to lose your salvation, forfeit your salvation. No, fear and trembling that you'll try to do this on your own. Fear to trembling and trembling that you'll try to do this with confidence in yourself. That you count your armies, that you see where your fortified areas are and your weaknesses are. No, fear and trembling that God, I would trust anyone but you. And so what does he do? Let's just read this together, this lengthy verse here. But I want us to do this. Let's be there. Okay, this is fine. We're fine here this morning. But imagine if all of a sudden we heard China just invaded Taiwan. And we declared war on China. And, Russia and Iran declared war on us. 
and NATO has now declared war on the rest of them. How would you feel right now? Okay, I mean, we, we, we know this feeling. He says, Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court. He said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Are you not there? Sounds like his dad, Asa. You rule over all the kingdoms and nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Lord, didn't you say forever? You said forever, God. Remember, you said forever. And they have lived in it and built for you in it a sanctuary for your name. Remember, Solomon's temple is about 120 years old now. Saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name in this house is great. Doesn't that sound like the Apostle Paul? I am convinced that neither rulers or authorities or principalities, things present or things to come, can separate us from the love of God. I mean, we hear this, this, this new covenant thought even here. For your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whom you would not let invade. By the way, God, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came to the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, this is how they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit it. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde. That has come against us. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Let me ask this question. So, so, so uh, Jehoshaphat squeezes into his prayer <laughs> this, this, oh, by the way, God. You know, these Ammonites and these Moabites and these Edomites. We could have done away with them a long time ago, but you wouldn't let us. What's up with that? What do you have in your life that's still hanging out there? That you wish, oh God, couldn't you have dealt away with that a long time ago? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I know people that come to Christ and boom. Drug addictions, gone. They don't want to smoke anymore. They don't want to drink anymore. Uh, their, their language suddenly becomes very flowery. And that, that ain't true for all of us, is it? There's stuff you're hanging on to for years. And God, why have you not removed the, Ammons, the Ammonites and the Moabites and, the, and the, the Edomites? Why have you not removed those from me? Can I tell you? I don't know why. But I do know this, if he hasn't immediately removed it from you, because there's something great God wants to do through that. Remember the Apostle Paul, don't you? He had this thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan that came to, to buffet him. And, and it, it was to stop him from, from thinking more highly of himself than he should. And, and what did he do? He said, God, take this from me, take this from me, take this from me. And God said, I don't think so. Paul, my power is perfected in your what? Your weakness. My grace is all you 
need. Do we believe that this morning? This is where training and trusting and trusting and training come in together, church. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in your weakness. So here Jehoshaphat, 850 years before Christ. Here Paul, around 60 years A.D., saying the same thing. God, we are powerless against this horde, this great horde. We don't know what to do. And then we see this. Jehoshaphat, as we said, was afraid. Second Chronicles 23 and 12. It's hard to break this big chunk of scripture up. Was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord. Does that sound like something you've heard out of Hebrews before? Since we have such great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race set before us. Seeking Christ, the author, endurer, and, and uh, finisher of our faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and, and sustainer and perfecter of our faith. Oh God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You know how that happens? That happens through trusting and training and training and trusting and trusting and training. We don't know what to do. It says, Jehoshaphat was afraid. He says, oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? Verse 12. For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Lord, unless we hear from you, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Here's one of the things that jumps out at me at this passage. Gentlemen, hear this. Ladies, hear this. How many people do you know who are in high positions of authority that stand before their people and say, I really just don't quite know what to do? Can you imagine the, the CEO of Apple you know, or could you imagine um, Elon Musk saying in front of all the shareholders, really not quite sure what to do. Uh, anybody got any ideas? But this is what Jehoshaphat did. He humbled himself before God and his people. Hey, you guys think the, all, the elders at this church have it all together? I know you don't. Um, Sometimes we're there before the Lord saying, Lord, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. And maybe we need to call on the, the, our fellow saints and priests and kings and queens of God to say, church, we're not quite what, sure what to do. But our eyes are on God. Could we get our eyes on God together? Could we do that? Could we stand in worshipful warfare together and do that? It's not the job of the elders. We're a church, the church of Jesus Christ, every one of us. Unless we hear from you, we don't know what to do. So what does Jehoshaphat do? He calls the people, and he calls a fast. And what do the people do? They hear Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are coming against them, and they, they, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to run to Jehoshaphat and his direction, or they're going to go packing and heading north to Israel. But that's not what they did, did they? They responded the people of judah answered the call and they assembled together second chronicles 4 13 and judah assembled to seek help from the lord from all the cities of judah they came to seek the lord meanwhile all judah all of judah all of judah stood before 
the Lord, to seek the Lord. From all the cities they came to seek the Lord. And meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord, all the little ones, their wives, and their children. All of them were entering into this battle of worship and warfare. And they were ready to fight. But why were they ready to fight? Did, did, did they just get called up and they were just doing their own stuff? Well, if we look back just a little bit, we see why Judah was ready to fight. Second Chronicles 17, 7. I'm just going to jump into this real quickly. I'm not going to go through this litany of names or it'll be 1130 before I get through them. In the third year of the reign, he sent his officials... And all of those guys. <laughs> Verse 9. And they taught in Judah. Why? Having, this is what Jehoshaphat set up. Having the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went about through all the cities of Judah. And taught them. And trained them. And caused them, the more they were taught and trained, to trust the Lord. This was not some freaky thing that happened and a bunch of secularist Judeans and Benjamites ran to J Jerusalem because they were scared out of their wits. They trusted, and tr they trusted the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And their pastor, Jehoshaphat, led them and made sure they were taught well of the Lord. Yeah, Hurricane Katrina that happened 23, no, 13 years, 18 years ago, 18 years ago. Is that right? Okay. 17 years, seven months ago. Um, I, 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 what an amazing time that was. Um, how, how many of you were at Lakeview Christian Center in 2005 and experienced and we experienced the battle called Katrina I mean it wasn't it, the, the horde coming against us was not Ammon Moab and the Meonites uh, it was H2 and O that were coming down on us and if we had any idea this building would have been nine feet in nine feet of water for 15 days I think thereabouts we may have been praying oh but we didn't know what was happening. They knew what was happening. The, the, Isra the Israelites, the Judeans, knew what was happening. A great horde of water had come against us. But here's the question I have today, and I have it in your notes. Where are we today when there's a call to pray? What's different in 2023 than in 2005. An enemy we see versus an enemy we don't see, but who's leaving tons of fingerprints. If it looks like Satan, the walks like Satan, the talks like Satan, smells like Satan, acts like Satan, pretty good possibility we know there's a war may not be a visible war of water, a wall of water, but it is an invisible war that we see 
the fingerprints of everywhere. And the question is, what will we do about it, Church of Jesus Christ at Lakeview Christian Center? Do we not see the urgency of the hour? How can we not? If we're not, then we've got a peacetime mentality in a wartime world. Church, that's dangerous. That is dangerous. We have to do what Paul encouraged the Ephesians to do. Wake up to the armies that are coming against us. Our enemy takes no time off. First Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober-minded, watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking a church to devour. Church, we need to think more in terms of our, our corporateness, not our individualness. It's important. Both are, impor- both, is, both are important, but we need to know that. Your adversary, the devil, church, your adversary, the devil, is roaring around, uh, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking us to devour, but resist him firm in your faith. Because you trust, because you've trained, and because you've trained, you trust. Whether it's Satan using alien nations, ever more secular administrations, division among ourselves, or anything else, could our prayers this Wednesday night stand in the way of his devouring efforts? There's only one way to find out. Look, we're not trying to fill the calendar. Church, we're not trying to fill the calendar. We're trying to fill our hearts with trusting and training and worshiping and warring together because we must. We must. So could we just encourage you? Could we, the pastors of this church, encourage you? Look at your calendar, whatever's on that calendar, if it's possible. Would you just cross that off your calendar? And would you just... Hear the call of Jehoshaphat, okay, to Keith Collins of fat, to Peter Davids of fat, Steve Roberts of fat, and be here Wednesday night. Don't worry about dinner. You want to come to dinner, come to dinner. But let's come to fight night in here on Wednesday night. Can we do that? Let's come to fight night and let's get trained. So we'll trust more and trust more. So we'll be trained more. We do that. So are we trained in righteousness? That is the question. Uh, you know, we're trained in a lot of things in, in life. We're trained in a ton of things and we need to be. I mean, you're not going to keep a job if you're not trained in what you do. But I mean, right now, let's just say this. If, if all of a sudden, okay, if all of a sudden from behind the stage comes just rats and roaches and spiders and, and, and everything creepy crawly that is so disgusting. And I mean, they're pouring over, they're pouring over the stage on you. And I'm jumping up right here on this stage. And ladies, you're jumping up and everybody's going crazy, except for Donnie Bourgeois. <laughs> Donnie's going like, what's the deal? Why is that? Because Donnie has been trained in rodents. He has been trained in spiders. 
He's been trained in all that stuff. Tomorrow is April 17th. It is tax deadline day. What if all of a sudden this place was surrounded in IRS agents? I mean, here they're just pouring in everywhere. You know, and I can't jump on. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to hide the, the, the drum room there. Um, and then Darlene Batto's going, what's the problem? Steve and Diane LaHare going, what are you guys all upset about? See, they're trained in IRS agents. Thank God for them. Um, to protect me from my sins. Um, did you cut that part? Um, but, but they're trained in that. We're trained in all kinds of things. Church, how trained are you in righteousness? I know we're aware of our sins. Oh, we're trained. Oh, oh man, we know how we've screwed up. But you know, the Spirit of God comes and he convicts of sin. But you know what else he convicts of? How much time do you and I allow our brains to be focused in the finished work of Jesus Christ that says, righteous in me? But not just to think that and just be cool with that, checkbox, get to go to heaven, but that he wants me to know I'm righteous so that I will be trained in that because he knows what's coming against me. I'm not Right here, the question for the believer should not be, am I righteous? And I gave you a few scriptures there you can look at. The answer is without a doubt. If you are a born-again believer, by virtue of the Spirit of God living in you, you are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That should have deserved a little clap. That was good. <laughs> you know the trouble that God went to? That we're no longer lost in our sins, hopeless, going to eternal separation from God. But now, we are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That shouldn't be the question. The question is, is how trained am I in righteousness? What kind of righteous shape am I in? If I'm not in game shape, I'm, not, I'm going to get my spiritual clock cleaned in the battle. Here's what Timothy said. All scripture, he said, is breathed out by God and profitable. Okay, all us capitalists, we like profit, don't we? Okay, so this, this word here, it's profitable. It's a great investment in teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? So that... The man of God may be complete, perfected, mature, equipped for every good work. Every good work. Okay, now here are the every good works. There are little things that are good works, and there are big things. Um, okay, we always talk about traffic, but we always talk about traffic because it's always an issue. Okay? What do you do when you get cut off in traffic? Well, if you're trained in righteousness... You may call him a different word than you would have called him the day before. <laughs> if, if you're trained in righteousness, you may, instead of wanting to pray on that person, you will pray for that person. See, being trained in righteousness 
it, it changes the way we respond. It, it, it changes our reflexes. We move in a more, more, more righteous way. If we're cut off in traffic or if we're cut off by our spouse. How do we respond? Or watching sports, how do I respond? Or dealing with a boss or employee, how do I respond? The Word of God trains us in righteousness, in knowing who we are in the righteous one and growing all the more strong in who we are. Hebrews 12, 11, for, all, all, for the moment, all discipline or all aggravations, I'll just put that word in there, seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of what? Righteousness for those who have been trained by it. No professional athlete says, well, I'll just train for about a year and then I'll be fine. No follower of Jesus Christ should say, oh, I'll just train, you know, I'll just, I'll read the word once a week. I'll be fine. We would not do that in any other area of life. Why in the most essential area of life where there is an enemy that comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Here, Hebrews 5, church, hear this one. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me, okay? So, so pay attention now because I want you to take this personally. And I'm, I, I wish I had a mirror sitting right here so I could just look at myself and glare at myself right now. It says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled, untrained in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish. That's good. That ain't good. And how does that happen? Become skilled in the word of righteousness. Have your senses discerning that which is good and evil by constant practice. So here's the question, training-wise. Are we big league? Are we peewee? Are we even on the field? Are we in the bleachers? Psalm 144, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield. And he is in, in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. Man, it makes me think about and what will the Son of God do to Satan? He will crush his head. And church, where is this Christ who crushes Satan's head? He is in us. Don't you know, church, your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God who is in you. You aren't your own. 
Worship God with your bodies. It's so important for Caesar. Why is Psalm 144 there? It's not just there for David. If it was just there for David, we wouldn't even be concerned about this. This is talking about a war in the spirit that each and every one of us is going to follow and have to deal with. Has the Lord trained your hands for war, your fingers for battle? Well, it's not because he doesn't want to. But if I got my fingers and fixed in a lot of other things, and my hands fixed in a whole lot of other things, and, not, and I'm not being trained for battle, I'm getting my spiritual posterior kicked, and I don't even know it. Think about what you don't even know is happening. This is the sword of the Spirit. All right, Matthew 6, 33 is a great verse. I hope you get to read it later. So the question, is there a prophet in the house? And I, church, hear this too, as I am getting toward the end here. Second Chronicles twenty fourteen. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of all those people, a, Le- a, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And, Jehaz- and, and Jehaziel declares and proclaims that the Lord will indeed conquer for them. Now, but you know who Jehaziel was not? I'm immediately thinking it should say Jehaziel the prophet. It doesn't say Jehaziel the prophet. Do you know why it says it doesn't say Jehaziel the prophet? Because he's not a prophet. Jehaziel is one of the worship leaders. He's of Asaph, is what we see here. He's of Asaph. And many years before, we read in 1 Chronicles 25, David had, along with all the army officers, the commanders of the army, he had the musicians and the worship leaders come and be a part of the assembly of the military. He wanted to make sure the hearts of the commanders, not just the minds of the commanders, were fixed on the Lord, not just their military strategies, but first fixed on the Lord. And we, we see that in First Chronicles 25. You can look at that a little bit later. So we see here under the direction, if you want to look at verse 2, under the direction of Asaph, all these people who prophesied, verse um, Verse 1, who prophesied with lyres and harps. and so They prophesied with musical instruments. And under the direction of Asaph, they prophesied under the direction of the king. That is what they did. How many of you here want to prophesy? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Who wants to prophesy? Okay. I thought so. Okay. Um, but 1 Corinthians 13 says this. Fast forwarding a few hundred years. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. That's the end of chapter 13. Here's the beginning of chapter 14. Unfortunate chapter separation, but understood. Abide these three, faith, hope, love. Greatest of these is love. Hey, church, pursue love. Okay, how do we do that? Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Especially that you prophesy. Now, we're not talking about 
on April 18th at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, there will be an automobile that drives through the Walgreens. No, that's not what we're saying. That may ha- maybe I did prophesy. Somebody write that down. Um, what I'm saying is, because Jehoshaphat knew the word, he prayed the word and God's history back to him. He knew the truth. He knew what he could count on God to do because he was a student of the word. He'd been trained in the word and he trusted the word and he battled like he trusted the word. He battled like it. And so, pursue love. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The one who prophesies, hear this, speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who prophesies builds up the church. Who wants to prophesy? There should be every hand in this room going up. Why would your hand not go up? If abiding this three is faith, hope, love, the greatest of these is love. Paul says by the Holy Spirit, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. So how can I sit here and say, meh. That's for the hired guys. That's for those with the gift of prophecy. Well, we already see in the scripture that's not there. Jehazi was just a, he is a singer. He was a priest. Well, guess what every one of us is? Maybe not a very good singer, but you know what? By virtue of the fact that you're in Christ, you are a priest of God. And we need to understand that. Church, we need to understand the battle that's going on. We just can't sit on the sidelines. There's a war going on for you and your families. And we need to take this personally as a church. I guarantee you, if I said to you, hey, Ross, this afternoon about 3 o'clock, I'm coming to your house, I'm going to beat the living Hades out of you. (laughs) Everybody's agreeing. Yeah, please do that. Um, (laughs) What is Ross going to be doing? He's going to be on the alert. The moment we came to Christ, bullseye on your back. Church, bullseye on our back. And what, how do we, how do you, gosh, it's Satan. I mean, that's a lot of people, that's a lot of ugly demons. Submit to God. Submit to God. Submit to God. And he will flee. So, if you are wondering about wanting to prophesy... Find out what it means more if you're not clear and say, oh God, if I love, if I love you, I love the church. If I love the church, I will love spiritual gifts, especially that I would prophesy. So TNT training and trusting brought triumph and it still does. It didn't matter to, Ju- to Judah who the enemy was because the Lord had made it clear he was going to crush the enemy for them. How was he going to do it? They rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Hear me, Lakeview, inhabitants of this church. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets, believe his pastors, and you will succeed. Believe his leaders. And when he had taken counsel with the people, I think that's the leaders of the church, He appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. And they went 
before the army. That's when there's a musician strike in the United States to this day. No, I don't think the, the band's going first. Um, and they went before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Do you know what they were doing? They were pulling out an oldie from Psalm 136 is what they were doing. Hey, let's pull that one from old King David, my great, great, great grandfather. Let's sing that one. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Who would come against Judah? Who comes against us so that they were routed? For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devastating, devoting them to destruction. And when they made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. In three days, Israel picks up the spoils. Church of God is for us. Who is against us? He who gave us his only son, will he not also freely with him give us all things. It's a battle. There's a battle. And our God, through him, we shall do valiantly. It's time to go to war with some enemies. It's time to go to some war with some enemies. Keith, if you bring your guys back up here. Warring worship crushes the stealing, killing, and destroying plans of Satan. And replaces them with the overwhelming, overwhelmingly victorious purposes of God. If we will worship in faith, our Father will war on our behalf in fury. I just felt this, as I was preparing for this message Thursday night that uh, there were some. There's just some bondages that God is not doesn't want to. God, if we let Him, God will break some bondages this morning. And they, and they basically, I just kept, felt like, we're not, it, it, this could be, I'm not going to tell God what he, can do, what he can do and can't do, but it was basically based around fear, that fear has gripped you for years, but it has never lifted. This fear, this particular fear, but it's never lifted. So you stopped asking. You stopped fighting. You surrender to it. And now you don't even sense it as a fear anymore because it's like that unpainted, that unfinished area of, your, of a room in your house. You just leave it unpainted, but it used to bother you, but it doesn't bother you anymore. You know what I'm talking about? And there's this, this fear, and you've stopped fighting it. Let me ask you a question. I, 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 church, how many of you have been delivered from a fear that has just gripped you in your life? Just hold your hand up. Just a fear that gripped you. You thought you'd never, ever be free of it. Okay, now you who have your hands up, keep them up. And those of you who don't have your hands up, look at those who do have their hands up. Look around. You can do that. Okay, do, do, do you see, God does this. Now, I'm not going to ask you who have fears in your life that you've just said, I'm just going to have to deal with this my, the rest of my life. Do you think God wants you to deal with that the rest of your life? Just let it be like it is to you. Just go home to glory and then it'll be over. 
Can I tell you? You're believing a lie. You're not submitting to God. You're not resisting the devil. Therefore, you have welcomed him to strangle you in this area of your life. There are things that you're afraid that if you put them aside, you will lose something. Hear me. There are things you're afraid that if you'll stop doing them, and you don't see them necessarily. You haven't seen them in a long time as an issue, but they're an issue. To God, they're an issue, and he wants you to know that this morning on April 16th. That's an issue, and he wants to deliver you from that. It may be your workaholism. It may be any numbers of practices that you have. If I don't do this, I won't make it. That's a lie. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. Let's go to battle. Let's go to battle against those. Church, will we go to battle against those things this morning? We know what they are. And I want to ask you to do this. If you're fighting that fear this morning, or you've stopped fighting that fear this morning, if you've allowed it lordship in your life. Did you hear me? Lordship. You're bowing to this over God. Today is the day it goes. Today is the day no more will I submit to this fear of not dealing with that. And do you know how we're going to beat that together? We're going to worship God. We're going to resist the devil. This morning, I, and I want to encourage you. Those of you, I want to ask you to do this because we're all stand up in just a second. Those of you who have fought with fear and you've experienced the victory of God over that fear. Will you just stand up right now? Would you stand up, church? Stand up. Stand up proudly, gratefully. Aren't you glad? Are you so grateful that God delivered you from that? Are you not? I am so grateful. So grateful. Now, there are those of us this morning that need to be delivered. And you see people, you see priests of God around here that have been delivered from fears. I want you to be so bold. Hear me now. I want you to be so bold. I don't think God gave me this for nothing. I want you to be so bold that you will stand with those who are still struggling with those fears. So I want to ask you to do this. If you're struggling with fear right now, don't let fear stop you from confessing your fear. You got that? Because <laughs> that's what it's trying to do right now. You're starting to get nervous. But greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. Now, maybe you're here this morning and he's not in you. You don't know Christ. You have reason to fear. If Christ is not your Lord and your Savior, you have much reason to fear because you are facing an eternal death from him. This morning, you don't have Christ. Oh, please come up here. Please come up here and let us pray for you and introduce you to your father and your savior. Okay. This morning, there's fear in your life and you want once and for all to get rid of it. Would you just be so bold to look God in the face and say, I'm going to worship you, Lord. I'm going to worship you. You raise your hand. Do that. Be strong. Be bold. Do not fear. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm confident here in this would you raise your hand would you be so bold thank you would you raise your hand would you be so bold 
Thank you. Would you raise your hand? Would you be so bold to worship God? And what you're doing right now is you're resisting the devil. and He will flee from you. He will flee from you. All right, well, church, did you see some of those folks whose hands were raised? Would you just reach out to them? Would you keep your hand raised? And if you haven't raised your hand, and I know there's several of you here this morning that haven't raised your hand, but we'll be here. There's no condemnation here. It's not condemnation time now. We want to be here to pray for you. And it may not be that. It may be something else. So if the prayer team would just come down right now, we're going to worship God. We're going to do what Jehoshaphat did. We're going to let the the choir go first. We're going to let the band go first. We're going to let the singers and the priests of God go first. And then we're going to pray. Okay? Because here's the battle. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's.
God, we pray with Jehoshaphat this morning. We pray again to you, O oh God, O oh Lord, God of our fathers, God in the heavens, ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations, ruler over our lives. Lord, in your hand alone is power and might. Lord, none can withstand you. God, O oh God, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, that we would stand firm in the Lord and in the power of his might. God, awaken our senses, our spiritual senses, Lord, to be able to be trained in righteousness and to trust you more, Lord, and to know that faithful are you who called us, faithful are you who began this good work, and you will complete it. Oh, God, may we as a church together, Lord, as never before, battle together for the praise of your glory, the praise of your mercy and grace. God, set free today, we pray, for your glory as we stand firm in you as we submit to you as our only hope, our only Lord, God, and Savior. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. We on? All right, cool. One more appeal for Wednesday night and the prayer meeting coming up. We have felt um, that there are three particular categories that we want to pray for specifically. First category is cloudiness or dullness spiritually. If you have felt that way, please, please, please come and be a part as we want to pray Amen. with and for you. Um, the second area uh, is for those that need physical healing. And we have seen a multitude of the expanse of sin amongst us. And we want to fight that. And we want to battle there. And the third one is, is our discipleship and our upcoming discipleship that will happen over the next few months. And we want to pray for these categories and see the spirit just move amongst us as a community. So please come Wednesday. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Todd. Thank you.